We're going to wrap up um, our look at the Old Testament um, today, um, and so uh, we're going to cover a lot of material. Um, you may remember last week, uh, we left it where the people were in the Promised Land, right? We were in the book of Joshua, and in Joshua 21, we were told, all was good. Now, if only it stayed that way. Um, unfortunately, um, the ancient Israelites lived in the real world just like we do. And if we continue with the story of the Old Testament, we find that um, after they got in the promised land, that uh, it, it, was, it was not like living happily ever after. Uh, the, the people still struggled. And in fact, we see stories for the rest of the Old Testament. We see the story in Judges where the people seem to live faithfully. Uh, they live faithfully, and then things are going well, and they kind of drift away, and they begin to follow and, and chase after other gods, and, and the consequences of that are that they uh, begin to participate in ungodly things, in violence and in injustice, and, and eventually they find themselves under the rule of somebody else and, and far away from God, following other gods, and, and they cry out to God, and God sends a leader who comes and rescues them again, just like Moses did, maybe not quite as dramatically, but he sends a leader who is raised up, who saves the people, who leads them back to following God, who gets rid of the idols uh, most of the time, and then focuses on following God, and the people rejoice and all is well, only to fall into the same cycle again and to become complacent and fall away from God. And so the Israelites do this, and we read about it in the book of Judges over and over and over again. Uh, eventually, the Israelites decide they would like to have a king like everybody else. Uh, everybody else seems to have a king, and that's working well for them, they think, although I don't know um, what world they're living in, uh, but these, they, they want a king like everyone else, and so God gives them a king. And uh, their first king is, is shaky. King Saul is shaky. And then, then they get David, and, and David is a, is a good king, but he still has his faults and his flaws. And in fact, as time goes along, uh, the kings do exactly what God had warned them that kings would do. Eventually, the kings, rather than being a conduit of which God's goodness flows from God to the people, and all the people are blessed, uh, kings become focused on themselves, and they begin to exploit and take advantage of the people. They begin to lead the people to follow other gods, to practice violence and injustice. And the cycle repeats itself. Eventually, the Israelites are divided into uh, the nation of Israel under David was united, but it is divided after Saul into a northern and a southern kingdom. And if we read in Kings, in First and Second Kings, uh, we discover that all of the kings of the northern kingdom um, fail to follow in the ways of God. They continue to go down the path where they lead the people uh, to follow other gods. And as a result, all kinds of terrible consequences occur. Now, in the southern kingdom, um, things are a little bit different. In the kingdom of Judah, things are a little bit different. Every now and then, they have a good king. And that good king is defined by whether or not uh, that king gets rid of the idols and encourages the people to follow God faithfully. This is the story of Israel that we read over and over and over again. 
in the Old Testament, these stories of the kings. And we're told during this time of the kings, the people begin to long for a king who will bring God's kingdom in its fullness, that will bring God's kingdom back on earth. They long for the days not just of David, but days beyond David when God's ways will rule in the world. And during this time, there are prophets that arise. Um, And there are prophets who come and speak to the people. And these prophets really have two functions. We often think of prophets as being those who foretell the future. That really is not the primary responsibility of prophets. The prophets came to warn the people and to give the people hope. And so here's what you typically see. In times when the people are complacent and things seem to be going well, the prophets warn them that they are walking away from God and following other gods and call them to return before they suffer the full consequences of following these other gods. And then when they're in the midst of suffering these consequences, these same prophets say to the people, don't lose hope. Just because you're suffering the consequences does not mean uh, that God has abandoned you forever or that God no longer uh, thinks about you or cares about you or that God's purposes have been done away with. They come and they remind the people that God's purposes march forward despite the ups and downs that we might experience. Um, And and what we uh, know about Israel is that the northern kingdom uh, never listens, and so they eventually are carried away into exile by the Assyrians, and they are never heard from again. They are never heard from again. And and today we're going to read, we're going to read from a prophet uh, that that was... um, existed in the time between uh, the uh, northern kingdom being sent into exile and the southern kingdom experiencing their own exile. Uh, We're going to hear from this um, prophet who who comes just after uh, Josiah had been the king in the southern kingdom and had brought reform. He was a reformed king who led the people in good ways, but his sons did not follow in his ways. And a couple of kings later, the people once again found themselves in the midst of all kinds of troubles, seeing injustice and violence and all kinds of idols arise. And so today we're going to hear from the prophet Habakkuk. Y'all have heard of him, right? a household name. Um, I'm going to invite you to turn to Habakkuk in your Bible. It's between Nahum and Zephaniah. That's not helping. I've got mine marked. I'm cheating. Um, Habakkuk is a a prophet that is only three chapters long. He's one of the prophets known as the Twelve. These prophets are so short that they're all grouped together and called uh, the Twelve Prophets or the Lesser Prophets. Um, The neat thing about about Habakkuk is that he was not a... um, He he was a praying prophet, I want to say, not a preaching prophet. 
So what do I mean by that? You know, Isaiah and Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Amos, uh, they went to the kings and the people, and, and they proclaimed the warning from God. Well, Habakkuk, as we're going to see, um, Habakkuk just offers up this prayer. And what we're going to see is this prayer and God's response to his prayer as we take a look at this, um, at this book. And so we're going to begin in uh, chapter 1, verses 1 through uh, 4. Actually, I'm going to begin in verse 2. The Lord, how long will I call for help and you not listen? I cry out to you, violence, but you don't deliver us. Why do you show me injustice and look at anguish so that devastation and violence are before me? There is strife and conflict abounds. The instruction is ineffective. That is the the law of Moses. Justice does not endure because the wicked surround the righteous. Justice becomes warped. Lord, how long will I call for your help and not listen? Uh, This prayer that Habakkuk offers up is really a, a, a lament. It is a desperate cry. Not of one who lacks faith, but of of God, and he knows this is not as God intended it. Habakkuk uh, cries out to God uh, of violence, injustice, wrongdoing. They are everywhere. Even among the people of God, not just in those folks who are out there. They are perpetrated by the leaders and by the priest. No matter how many times God sends a preaching prophet like Isaiah or Ezekiel or Jeremiah or Amos or Joel. No matter how often he goes to the people and warns them uh, to stop their violence, to turn from their injustice, and to turn toward God, they just continue heading down the path that they are going. They continue to oppress the weak, to take advantage of the poor, to spew uh, forth hatred and division, to, um, to, self, uh, to participate in self-aggrandizement, um, to participate in fighting and conflict. They continue to chase after other gods, the gods of wealth and power and influence. And things keep getting worse. And Habakkuk cries out, Lord, how long will I call for help and you will not listen? In essence, Habakkuk is is crying out to God, do something. Change what's going on. Do something. Well, Habakkuk gets an answer from God. And so he begins to realize that while he's crying out for help, God is really listening. But he doesn't really like the answer that he gets. Because, uh, because this is what God says in essence. Uh, God says, you know, I've sent the prophets and the people continue on their ways. Um, Babylon is going to overrun Jerusalem 
and Judah. An exile is coming for the southern kingdom just as it was in the northern kingdom. God tells Habakkuk, in essence, uh, that the only way that God is going to get the people's attention, the only way that they are going to be cleansed and refreshed and renewed, is if they experience that with which, in which they are participating. They are going to experience the violence and the injustice that, that Babylon has been perpetrating throughout the world. Uh, they are going to experience uh, the division that they seem to be um, facilitating. They are going to be allowed to chase after and follow other gods and experience the consequences of that. Gods of wealth and privilege and power. They're going to be allowed to chase after those gods and find out what it really is like to live under those gods. To find out what it's like to live in bondage to those gods versus living in faithfulness to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Habakkuk hears this word from God, and he cries out in essence, God, the cure is worse than the disease. The Babylonian people, they're even meaner and more violent and perpetuate more injustice than we do. I was hoping you'd do something different. But he knows somewhere in the depths of his being, that there must be more to the story. Because he knows that God is a God of deliverance, that God is a God of love and grace, that God is a God of healing. And so he knows, even though he has heard this message that they will be carried away into exile, he knows there must be more to the story than that Israel or that Judah is going to go off into exile never to return. He knows there must be more. And so we pick up the story in chapter 2, where, uh, um, where we are told, this chapter 2, verse 1, uh, Habakkuk says, I will take my post. I will position myself on the fortress. I will keep watch to see what the Lord says to me and how he will respond. And then the Lord answered me and said, Write a vision. And make it plain upon a tablet so that a runner can read it. There is still a vision for the appointed time. It testifies to the end. It does not deceive. If it delays, wait for it. For it is surely coming. It will not be late. Some people's desires are truly audacious. They don't do the right thing. But the righteous person will live honestly. In other translations it says the righteous person will live by faith. And, and I find it interesting. So the answer that Habakkuk gets, um, it, it, it's not some recipe for moving forward. It's not some program. It's not a blueprint. What he gets is God's promise again that God's kingdom will come. That, that God's ways are moving forward in this earth. And that, uh, that the people of God need to live by faith. 
not a faith that thinks, not, not, a, not a faith that we think that can fix everything, but a faith, a faith that we live by and live into. The kingdom will come, God says to Habakkuk. Trust and live faithfully um, despite the circumstances. Uh, have this faith in God. Long, uh, not just for the good things that God gives us, but long for God for God's self. In other words, just long to be in the presence of God, trusting that God is at work in and through all circumstances. Challenging the prophet and the people to accept the limits of their own living and yet live as if their lives matter. To trust the good news that the kingdom of God will come. Even though we may experience ups and downs in this world. The kingdom of God will come. Hold firm to that and trust and live faithfully toward God regardless of what other folks do. And so we pick up the story at the end of this prophecy, at the end of this prayer, at this conversation. This is what Habakkuk says in chapter 3 beginning in verse 17. He says, though the fig doesn't bloom and there's no produce on the vine, though the olive crop withers and the fields don't produce food, though the sheep is cut off from the pen and there are no cattle in the stalls. In other words, even though there is no fruit from the grapes or from the figs or from the olives, there's no wheat, there's no barley. The sheep and the cattle are suffering. This is what Habakkuk says. Even in the midst of these desperate and difficult times, he says, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my deliverance. The Lord God is my strength. He will set my feet like the deer. He will let me walk upon the heights. In other words, this prophet who began by saying, Lord, how long will I call for help and not listen? Now, knowing that God hears what he says and being reminded that God is a God of deliverance, of healing, a God who does not approve of injustice or or violence or hatred, he now proclaims, no matter how bad things look, I will rejoice and hold firm to the promises and the hope of God. Because the current circumstances uh, will not be the last word. God's kingdom will come. God's ways and purposes will be known in the world through God's faithful people. And so as we hear Habakkuk today, as we hear this prophecy today, as we hear these words, may we, regardless of what circumstances that we may experience, um, when we cry cry out, Lord, how long, 
Fill in the sentence. How long will I have to suffer through this? How long will this go on? How, how long? How long will I uh, look uh, across the world and even look in your church and see a people who have forgotten what it means to live and love like Jesus? How long will the church refuse to be the people that you have called them to be? How long will we fail to do the things you call us to do? May we hear the words of Habakkuk today. May we hear God's answer. I am at work. I am at work. I am present and my kingdom will come. May we hear the challenge to live faithfully despite our circumstances so that we may become the people God intended us to be. May we be a people who who seek to revitalize our connection to God and each other. May we be a people who continue to allow the Spirit to work in us, to shape us, and to transform us so that each day we become people who live and love more like Jesus. Will we become a people who go into our homes and our neighborhoods, and our world to do what Jesus did in his world. May we hear the words of Habakkuk this day. May we hear God's answer to live faithfully and righteous lives according to God's ways. And may that lead us, despite what we may see in the world, even in our churches, may that lead us to rejoice, to rejoice in God and to know that God is among us and with us and will continue to be with us. And as Jesus said, the kingdom of God will come near. And people might experience the same healing and wholeness that they experienced when Jesus came near to them. May we be the people of God for all the world, this day and every day. Amen.